Theory. Finally, a podcast about the church for the church. Sit back and relax because you're now entering the reformed mental state. Hosted by the Chicano Knox. Coming from that gangster gospel perspective. Coming straight out of Geneva. What it do, what it do. Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for joining Bible Theory Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whether it be on Apple, uh, Spotify, uh, maybe even maybe you Google it and you found it. That's totally fine. Uh, please go ahead and share it, subscribe. Uh, this is the podcast where, you know, it's dedicated to ecclesiology. Yeah, that's right. The doctrine of the church. And, you know, we're doing a huge uh, church series on, you know, the, you know, the church, the body of Christ, the called out one, the Ecclesia. And, you know, from from not from like a, you know, a scholarly level, because I don't like to get that scholarly with my people. I like to talk to them like, you know, elbow to elbow, armchair to armchair, like we're hanging out at a at a Super Bowl party and we're talking about the church. You know what I mean? Just like deep down, down to earth type um, questions, uh, thoughts. You know, this is where, you know, I, I research and I study and I investigate and I share my my convictions, my thoughts, my ideas, my prayers, um, you know, things that have, you know, been on my mind about the church because the church is um, struggling nowadays. If you could um, just look around and you'll see with your spiritual eyes, through the gospel lenses, through Christ who empowers you and me, you will see that both is a positive and a negative. You see the church growing, and at the same time, you see the church struggling, or should I say the church being purged. But let me go ahead and get into this topic of demographics, because this is a topic that I've been itching to get to like to itch this is this is a very juicy topic so and i don't think i'll get into all the nook and crannies to all the details as i'm as i wanted to um i had a scheduled guest to be on the show tonight i had a technical difficulty i'm not sure it was wi-fi or google or whatever it was um but you know um basically let me go ahead and touch on this subject because later on i will have that person on um, a great person, a great individual, an expert, um, someone who has spoken on it, wrote um, wrote articles on it, and you know that we definitely need to revisit this um, a few times because this is a very important topic, and I think you should pay attention, Pastor, Elder, Deacon, um, and then maybe you're just chilling, driving. Don't forget to go ahead and hit the like button. All right, all right. So let's go ahead and talk about something here because demographics includes, you know, um, economics. It includes government and policy immigration, stuff like that, um, you know, human geography, if you ever study human ge- human geo. Anyways, but let me zoom in on this and talk about demographics, okay? Because in this area, you know, I guess you could talk about um, age, culture, race, ethnicity, um, and, and those type of things when, when we talk about demographics. At least that's how I think of it in terms of breaking it down in those subjects and i'm sure there's other things i'm missing but those are just basic in- in- intros for you all right so so sit back and relax and let me go ahead and give you a quick disclosure um one i'm not a crazy lefty all right 
I'm not a BLM, um, you know, uh, um, lefty. I'm not a CRT wannabe. You know what I mean? I'm not a, you know, uh, you know, an Obama loving Democrat, um, sub subscriber. I guess you could put it like that. And to be honest, I'm not hardcore Republican either. Right. I, I don't bow down to these people. I bow down to my only um, savior and Lord, and that is Jesus Christ. So I got to put that disclosure out there because people would like to tie demographics to certain political camps, as in like, oh, you're going to be talking about white people, black people or the color of your skin. That's uh, that's demo that's Democrat talk. You know what I mean? That's what Obama did or that's what uh, Trump did or whatever. No, that's not what I'm going to do today. I'm going to take those um, some of those issues um, look at it, look look at some of the numbers, and I'm going to ask some questions to church planters. Hopefully, if you're listening, I'm going to ask you some questions. Dear pastor, I'm going to ask you dear questions, dear elder, dear, dear deacon. Um, hopefully, you're listening because I know you guys are listening. Check this out. Because uh, these issues need to be addressed from the church. These issues need to be talked about more often. After church, these issues need to be reviewed and prayed upon, you know, at prayer meetings and discussed more openly, more widely. Um, the church as a whole, the called out ones, and then it doesn't matter what denomination, the church in general um, that is alive here and now, 2021, right? In 2022, we need to, you know, consider these things because, you know, times are a changing. You know, just like that one song, right? Uh, times are changing, right? So there's something happening, and I'm not sure that I'm not sure if you would see it unless you have some, um, unless you're mature enough to see it, right? That's overall, right? Number two, you won't see it the way I'm trying to help you see it unless you have um, the gospel, the true gospel that liberates you from a works righteousness that that liberates you from from being a Pharisee from uh, and it liberates you and it breaks you free from that dead orthodoxy you know unless you don't unless you don't have that kind of gospel in you then you will probably will not understand this subject and you won't understand this episode of the church series on demographics on how it would impact the church because I believe demographics will impact the church. Let me start off like this. There's something changing. There's something there, there. There's a cliff coming and entire societies will or should I say entire groups of countries, entire societies, cities, nation states. All of us are approaching this cliff, this this demographic cliff when it comes to an aging population. When it comes to race and ethnicity and how that affects the church, of course, it's going to affect policy. Of course, it's going to affect government and local policy and all that stuff, immigration. But how does this apply to the church? You have to ask that. And I, I think um, some people out there who have gospel eyes will see what I'm what I'm talking about. Some who don't will get confused um, and probably will feel uncomfortable. Um, but that's OK, because uh, I thought about these issues five, six years ago and I was uncomfortable. But these things has been on my mind for five or six years, maybe six years now. Um, these things have been on my mind for six years. Deep things. 
All right. So aging population, I'm not going to get into that because that's a huge topic and it, and it does apply to the church. Right. Because, for example, what do you do if your church is all 80 years old and there's no young people, by the way? Right. Because that's the truth for many churches out there an aging population. Right. Let me ask you another question. Do you know what country is the oldest country in the world? Right. If, if you did not say Japan, South Korea, China, then then you need to get to know those countries. If you're in those countries listening to me, listening to me right now, because I have listeners in China. I have listeners in South Korea listening and they are facing huge problems right now in terms of the local church. The demographic is you have um, 60 to 80 percent of the church membership is above like 65 to 80, 80 years old. Right. With the with the with the low, low percent percentage of young people in their congregants. So that's a huge issue in those in those parts of the world where they have a huge flop in their membership where you have a high ratio of of old people, right, above 65, 70, 80, 80 years old, um, senior citizens, should I say that more respectfully, right? Um, and then you have a, a, very, a very, very low number of young people, you know, ages 15 to uh, 25, 28, stuff like that, the future, right? Because young people, if you like it or not, is the future. They are the future. And by the way, the largest... Um, generation alive today is the is the young people the the millennial generation is the largest uh generation that is alive today and the baby boomer generation is actually they used to be the largest generation alive today but now they're the largest retiring population right now i think in the west the baby boomer generation is like retiring by like huge numbers every day, like 10 million a, a year or something like that. And that's that's a huge number. And that affects, uh, you know, the GDP that does affect, uh, you know, the, the economy because you have the richest generation, which was the baby boomers. And let's face it, the, the millennials are not as rich as the baby boomers. So, you know, like I'm saying, the demographic conversation is deep. It's rich. It's controversial, uncomfortable. But we need to address it as Christians. And, you know, the second thing you could talk about this is race and ethnicity. So you got the age, the aging populations and how how a flop um, congregant members would, would uh, how that impacts your church. Right. But you also have to look at the race and ethnicity. So race and ethnicity is a huge topic in our world in, in our world today. Just look around. You have BLM burning down cities. You have CRT being taught in our universities and law school. Um, you have like the 19 project, 1619 project or whatever going on in the newspapers and academia, um, in the media. And you have um, pretty much everybody in Hollywood trying not to offend anybody. And, and, and you know what I mean? And, you know, white people are evil. You have all this demonic narratives going on in the world today. And once again, nothing is new under the sun. Racism is real. Racism has been around um, since the dawn of mankind. And racism is a sin. Racism is a sin. If you hate other people based on their color of their skin, that is racism. 
obviously there's different types of racism. You could say, well, there's systematic racism. There's a uh, cultural racism. There's different types of understanding of different forms of racism. Like, for example, I don't want to give this guy money because he's black. Well, first of all, that's racist and it's a sin and it's greediness. But at the same time, that's like um, economic racism. Right. Um, and, you know, that's not what I'm going to get into. But I do want to acknowledge that racism is a sin. Hating, um, you know, people in general is, a, is, is an offense to God and it is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And only the gospel of Jesus, only only the gospel of Jesus Christ, can fully um, take away that hatred, that 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 jealousy for other people, that envy. Because I think you know that's what it is: is envy, jealousy, um, hatred, um, not loving your neighbor, those type of things. And only the true gospel will will you know take away those uh, those handcuffs that society is having on right now. Um, because there is racism out there. So you have to acknowledge there was, there is, and there will be um, racism in the world and not just in the United States. Um, but once again, you do have to address race and ethnicity when you talk about demographics. And, you know, this is a huge conversation. Like I said, it's a juicy conversation, man. You have, to, you have to go back to the creation. You have to talk about God and his attributes. You have to talk about man, um, Adam and Eve, right? Why? What is the chief end of man? Right. You had to go back and talk about uh, marriage, the institution of marriage. You had, to talk, you had to talk about the Sabbath. You had to talk about, you know, from a Christian perspective, you had to talk about church history. You had to talk about Jesus. You had to talk about the gospel, the church growth from Acts chapter two and on. You had to talk about um, then you had to address. Then you have to address the realities of sin throughout church history, um, you know, and, and, and even more pronounced in secular history. Um, you know, so like, for example, you like Christopher Columbus, but at the same time, you know, there's things that he did that maybe you don't, you won't approve of a hundred percent, but at the same time, you do have to acknowledge him, but you don't want to go off the deep end and, um, just throw out the baby out the bathwater and just say, you know, there's racism behind every tree. Everything is racism. Let's burn it all down. That's not what I'm just subscribing to. I reject that in the name of Jesus, obviously, and you should too. So race and ethnicity is very important. God gave us different types of people, different kinds, different tribes. Obviously, every tongue, every every tribe, every nation group will bow down to Jesus. You know, they will confess Jesus. And every nation group, tongue or tribe and color of skin will be represented really well in heaven in the true utopia in heaven because heaven is the real utopia up up in heaven the city of god on um, the kingdom of god where everything's perfect no one dies everybody lives forever everybody's un united and communing with um in communion with the father god and holy spirit right so you know at the end god wins jesus wins you know the trinity wins um, and racism lose. The gospel wins. So that's just a little disclosure. Obviously, I'm trying to go fast here because I don't have that much time. But, you know, you have to acknowledge um, that we're made in God's image, you know, um, and there is, you know, d cultural differences. There, there are cultural boundaries in the world. For example, do you know how to speak Chinese? I don't. And I'm sure maybe some of you don't. So, and if you do, congratulations, right? But let you just to let you know, the Chinese is one of the most the mo, one of the most popular 
languages in the business world, in the business world, right? You go to China, China's, a, you know, the biggest population outside of India, and they're always competing. And India is another cultural group that's out there that has many different languages. Um, you go to India and you think they speak one language, but they don't. They have like 90 different dialects and over 3,000 or 300 million gods and all this stuff. And guess what? You have to confront that as an evangelist. You have to go there. You have to know the people group. You have to know the different types of dialects, the different languages. Um, you have to put in a serious effort to really try to reach these people. Love who your audience is. Know who your audience is. And, you, you know, you can't just go in there um, with with a blindfold into India, very ignorant of the cultural realities of that country. Same thing in the United States. There's cultural realities that are different. There's the inner city. You got Compton, right? You have the Bronx, right? You have South Houston, right? You have different cultural realities in the United States. You have Memphis, right? You have uh, Louisiana where they talk different, right? You have um, Boston people talking different. You have New Yorkers. You have people from North Dakota that sounds like they're from Ireland or something. So you, you, you have, and then you have like Chicanos like me that are brown skinned that talk kind of like uh, Ching Ching Chong, you know what I mean? But I'm just letting you know there's realities, right? Not everything is brown, not everything is white. But let you, to, just to let you know, um, in the United States historically, we come from a rich heritage of Christianity, um, from European-type Christianity. Um, you know, we are beneficiaries of the Reformation, of the Puritans, um, the grandchildren of the Puritans, the pilgrims, right? Um, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, all these type of movements, um, you know, coming back from England, you got the Highlanders, Right. You got the, the church movement from the Church of Iona outside of uh, what you call it, uh, um, Ireland. So, you, you know, you have the Scottish Presbyterians with John Knox, uh, you got Calvin, you got Luther with Germany, you got the Swiss reformers. Right. So, you know, you, you got mostly European. They're all Caucasian. They're all kind of like whitish, I guess, you know, white. Um, you know, and, and, you know, some say Augustine was, was maybe kind of black, maybe kind of brown, you know, Athanasius was darker, you know, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about mostly from, you know, um, Western Europe, the modernized, um, you know, England, Scotland, Ireland, France, Germany, those type of countries that are predominantly white skin have, has, have the most influence on, you know, the 14, 1500 years of Christianity, right? Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, uh, Jonathan Edwards, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Charles Spurgeon. Uh, they were all white, um, maybe mixed, Irish or whatever, if you want to get strict. But, you know, to be honest, you know, David Wilkerson was white, right? You got uh, Leonard Ravenhill was white. John MacArthur is white. R.C. Sproul is white. They're all white in a sense. And that's a good thing. And that's okay. We have to be okay with that. God uses different things. You know what I mean? God uses different people. And God has used, you know, these countries to benefit the church and to advance the church and theology and, and, and systematic theology and, and, and all these areas that has to do with, um, with Christ and his body. We have to be thankful and grateful of what God has done through Europe, through England, you know, through Jonathan Edwards and Spurgeon and all this, 
you know what I mean, through the past 14, 1500 years. We have to be thankful. We cannot be, um, we cannot cause anarchy and then want to be a part of chaos. And um, those people who hate government and hate the church and hate white people and who are spreading false narratives and spreading hate and going against the gospel itself, we cannot align ourselves with that type of thinking. We cannot give in to those type of feelings and emotions and those kind of wicked, wicked thoughts, okay? Those are wicked thoughts, right? Jesus, Jesus is Lord. And, and Jesus is Lord. And that means we need to obey him and obey his commandments and love our enemies. Um, so we need to pray for those people who are BLM and CRT and, and um, you know, Antifa and whatever, right? Even those Republicans and Democrats. We have to pray for all these people who are using these these uh, very important subjects for, for, for their own agendas. So we're here as the church for one agenda, and that's Christ in his rule and to make him famous. That's one number, probably how I would say it, the number one agenda that we're here for is for Christ, Christ alone, Christ on my back, Christ above me, Christ below, Christ on the side. You know what I mean? Christ, Christ, Christ. Give me Christ. So that's what I would say that that's our agenda when we talk about these things. Okay. So any thought that's not of, you know, of Jesus or glorifying Jesus, we need to be held accountable and we need to cast those thoughts down. And, and and hold them to the standard of the canon of the word of the scriptures from generation from from uh, Genesis to Revelation. OK, um, so race and ethnicity is a real thing. We cannot just erase those boundary cultural lines. And that's why the gospel is so successful and so powerful, because it transcends all races and all ethnicities around the world. It is in it does it it, it it transcends against those borderlines, those invisible borderlines that are that are that makes us so different from one another, from one another that unites us at the very end in heaven, you know, in Christ that makes us one body. The greatest, you know what I mean. In the, in the body of Christ, there's many differences, right? There's many, 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 many differences. Outside of Christ, we probably have so many differences. There's no reason to be united, right? But in Christ, all those differences kind of just fade away in a sense. And then we're only united under the baseline, the bottom line, the main line, Jesus Christ. The gospel through the gospel in Jesus Christ is what unites the church. We're not united because we're all black or we're all Chicanos or we're all white, right? That's not what the church is supposed to be. We're not united under Temporal, fleshly, earthly, cardinal things. Okay. So, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying to get to the main point. So, race and ethnicity is very important. They exist. Okay. And I, hopefully, I made that clear. So, from a biblical perspective, we have to look at the numbers here. We can't ignore the changes that are coming because there's, there's, there's changes and we have to acknowledge it. Let's talk about something. <clears throat> Let's talk about, um, um, you know, I found this um, Pew Research back in 2008, and it said this. It says immigration is, a, is, is, a project, is projected to be the key driver of national, of national population growth in the coming half century. That was in 2008, yo. 
Let me read that again. Immigration is projected to be the key driver of national population growth in the coming half century. End quote. Pew Research. Wow. So that that's very true. So if you look at what's going on right now and put aside <clears throat> the doctrine of, um, you know, the laws of immigration, or should I say the laws of migration, just set those aside for now. Set aside the border wall. Put aside, you know, the differences between the Democrat view of immigration or migration and the conservative and, and, and Republican view of immigration and migration. Just put those down, okay? Put them down for a second. Let's talk about this. They just said the immigration is going to be the main thing going forward of how to grow a country. Now, let's stop right there and rewind. How can you grow a country? Have you ever thought about that? I'm not talking about financial taxes. I'm not talking about none of that. The main way, the, the traditional way to how a country grows is through its people, through um, reproduction, birth rates. That's the main way. That's the traditional way. That's how that's old school. OK, going way back like a car seat. OK, so and, and there's other ways now that are that, that factor in, you know, like GDP, income, taxes, all kinds of stuff that makes it grow. Um, you know what I mean? Successful. Right. Blah, blah, blah. But I'm talking about, you know, just people counting heads. Right. Um, and if you look across the board, you know, there's there's not many people in the world. Actually, there's something like six, seven billion. And I know that sounds a lot, but that's really not a lot, guys. When you think about it, you know, the world, it's all rolling towards an end where God is going to restore order take away sin god has made it good that mankind should prosper and multiply and grow in the lord obviously there's sin there's all kinds of agendas all kinds of stuff you know what i mean population is a trigger word but i get that but you know if you look at god's side of the story god has ordained mankind to be fruitful and multiply it's the dominion mandate or whatever you want to call it God is okay with mankind becoming numerous, guys. We have to accept that. So when someone comes along and says, you know, guys, the best way to move forward in terms of growing and population is to have other people come here. Now, one, you have to be kind of okay with that in a sense of saying, what's wrong with other humans coming over here and living over here, right? I guess in in in, a, in, a, in you know in a very short story, there's nothing wrong with that in a sense if you're generous. Now, if you want to get a political, then obviously you have there's laws, there's regulations, there's agendas. All those things can make it look bad, and maybe they are bad. So, in a sense, you have to be like, well, I'm okay with humans coming here, but at the same time, are they coming here legally? Are they going to benefit us? Are they going to like? culturally you know make us richer or they're going to culturally make us poorer they're going to like destroy things they're going to like what what are they doing in a sense when they come here right so all those questions are valid but that's not what i'm talking about right here okay so don't get it twisted because that man or the woman just said that immigration is the main key for making people for making the country grow moving forward for the next 50 years now i think that has to do something with abortion 
Obviously, there's not enough people having babies right now. The birth rate is down. So all that kind of factors in to the to the to the to the mindset of what makes a man say such a thing. So when people disobey God and they they don't want to have babies all of a sudden, instead they want to kill the babies, right? On a massive scale as a country around the world, you're going to have a problem sooner or later. Okay, logic. Listen to this. According to 1960, you know, you know, let's pick one of these people groups, white people, white people. If you're a white per person, raise your hand. No, I don't. I'm just playing. According to a 1960 census, white persons made up 88.6 of the population in the United States. Boom. That's way over 50 percent, yo. That was 60 years. 1960 was like when the Beatles came out, yo. 1960 is when JFK was still alive. Let me move. Let me move faster. So according to a 2020 census, let's look at the same population. White persons make up. They made up only 57.8% of the population. A little bit lower, but 57% is what people agreed to according to the 2020 census. So it went from 88% to 57%. Boom. Not even a hundred years, yo. It went down. Okay, not even 80 years, it, 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 the, the population growth for that people group just went down. I thought that was kind of interesting. And according to another Pew study, white persons will only make up, if this trend continues, quote unquote, they will only make up about anywhere from 40% to 47% of the United States population by 2050. Other studies suggest 40% or below. And, you know, no one knows for sure. God is sovereign. Jesus could come back tomorrow. We don't know if this is true. But if we look at the numbers and if these trends continue, then it makes and then according to what the man or woman is saying, it, it does make sense to to grow our country by, you know, um, having other people from other countries come here to give us a filler to fill up the tank to replenish the population, you know what I mean? Because our own population is not having kids. Like I just said, white people, white persons, Caucasians, however you want to say it, have gone down in terms of population. So that has to be said. You do have to say that. You do have to acknowledge those things, right? So that's just the numbers. I thought that was interesting. And a lot of, a lot of the things kind of factor in the reason why the population among um, Caucasians, white people, for the first time in a long, long time, um, the population is finally going down, which is weird. And, and a lot of it, a lot of the things have to contribute to an, um, an egalitarian society, feminism, um, and all kinds, all kinds of isms. I don't want to get into it, but all kinds of isms kind of get into it and of course the abortion and pop culture and people telling you kids or are um you know don't have kids kind of thing in school you know what i mean so uh, there's a lot all kinds of philosophies out there combined since 1960 has contributed to the to the decline of the white population in the united states alone and that's not even including canada okay and let's not even talk about the the uk okay because that's that's i think they're worse in terms of population growth. Okay, let's take another group here. A 1993 census reported 
that Hispanics, right, um, that the Hispanic population has only made up 9% of the U.S. population. 9% means the 9, the 9% is on paper, meaning those those who, who are here legally, who pay taxes, all that stuff, not including, obviously, all those who are in the shadows, who are not, you know, here legally. So in 1993, the, the, the Hispanic population only made up 9%, which is not many. So, and according to the same report, you know, the Hispanic population will be over um, 80, um, 81 million by 2050. So that's weird. So they're actually forecasted to be way more than 81 million people by 2050. But yet only not even not even 30 years ago, guys, not even 30 years ago. They were only 9%. So all of a sudden, they're going to have an explosion of population and have 81 million people by 2050. Whoa. So according to another Pew study, Hispanics make up only 50%. That means they will make up 50%, according to that Pew study, of the United States um, by 2050, yo. 2050, that means half the United States will be loving tacos, tequila, you know, Dos Equis, um, you know, boxing like Canelo, you know, more Hispanic culture is what I'm trying to say. So um, that's the result of that, basically. So so here's the, here's the thing. So the center projections indicate that nearly one in five Americans will be foreign born by 2050. That's over 19 percent, 19 percent, I think 19 to 20 percent. So that's one, you know, you go in the grocery store, for example, in 2050, you'd be like, okay, one out of every five persons in this grocery store is born from another country. Whoa. That's just a visual. You know, and that doesn't include the numbers of undocumented Hispanics, uh, you know, because, you know, in, 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 in the U.S., right, there's, there's many people here illegally. We have to acknowledge that. And, you know, according to, you know, since the Biden administration has been like, well, over a million border crossings and more. So, you know, this is these numbers are kind of consistent to what's being reported. Um, and then, you know, so that's just right there. So a Pew study in 2018 also said that there were 18 percent um, of the United States population are set to grow. So they are bound to grow. Hispanics are bound to grow. And. The downside is that the white population is going down. So I'm just saying, how is this going to change the church? Will it change the church? Is it safe to assume that the local church will will remain unchanged by these demographics? So assuming your church sits back and does nothing, what are the consequences for that? Well, let's look. I don't have the answer. We're going to have to wait and see. Um, I'll have another person come on and we'll talk about it. But let's look up some numbers here. Let's go ahead and look up some numbers according to the churches by races, by race and ethnicity. Sorry about that. Um, so according to Pew Research, the Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopal, Presbyterians, and Baptists are majority white people, white population. That's a huge number. That's basically all the mainline denominations. Um, that's, uh, the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and Baptists are majority white. That's a fact. And according to other reports, 
these are the these are the denominations at the same time that are declining the fastest. Uh, more in particular, the Methodists and Episcopalians are declining the fastest. Just to point those two groups out. Um, so just to let you know. So on one hand, do you see the problem here? The Lutherans, Methodists, Episcopalians, Presbyterians, and Baptists are majority white, but yet these same these same denominations are the ones that are declining the fastest. Hmm. Do you see a problem there? Considering the numbers, if they are correct, right? The white majority churches might decline by more than twenty-five to thirty-five percent, while some churches might even by churches, I mean denominations, might even just close their doors permanently. For example, just look at the Church of England, you know, 2035, I would be surprised if they're still around. So that's just that's just the numbers. So if your denomination is mostly white, you're going to see a decrease if you like it or not. And, 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 and it's sad. But I think this spells out the biggest opportunity and, and let me end it here because there's many, many questions I have, but this is just scratching the surface. And I hope you're with me through this whole time uh, because this is just the intro. This is just scratching the surface, maybe not even scratching the surface. But this is, this should be a huge opportunity because if the future is colorful, what I mean by diverse, right? Whatever you want to say it. If the future is colorful, that means that the church has a massive opportunity for the future. It does, because if America will become more diverse than it is right now, based on these numbers, you know, that automatically translates into the biggest opportunity for the local church. So if your denomination is, is on the decline, one, you will have to see how bad it declines. Number two, you will have to see if it closes the doors because of the numbers. So if your population membership is all white people, and they and it drops because of the birth rates naturally by 2050, um, and it cuts down less than half. Then maybe your local congregation will shut down based on those numbers. It, it just logically doesn't make sense to have businesses open if it's not bringing in profit. Do you understand the correlation there? So it doesn't make sense to have um, you know physical doors of a church open if there's no members in there. Um, so that's what I'm trying to say, the correlation there. Um, so the biggest opportunity would be if churches would reach more colored people because these denominations, they need more color people in them. They need more brown leadership, more black leadership, more Indian leadership, more Chinese leadership, more Indonesian leadership. They need more, more deacons from those from those people groups, because guess what? That's the future. And if Paul the apostle tells us to train leaders, to preach the word, to to find those who are qualified for the eldership and for the deacon for the deaconship, or should I say for them for the diaconate and for the pastoral office? Guess what? The people that you're gonna the candidates in the future are gonna be from Indonesia, China, Mexico, um, you know, from South LA. Those are, those are the candidates. Those are the future candidates of, of the church offices. It's not going to be, um, you know, Johnny from Indiana. Because guess what? According to these numbers, Johnny from Indiana is not having 
five kids anymore. If you do, and I know a bunch of people, you know, in my neck of the woods who have like 10 kids, more kids than I do, and they're all white. And that's great. But guess what? That's a dying breed. That's not the future. That's not what the numbers say. Those families are unique and blessed in their own way. But that's not the normative in every church. You go to any denomination down the street, like so-and-so non-denominal church, so-and-so mega church, so-and-so Methodist church, you'll see a bunch of old people. You'll see a bunch of white people. And you'll see maybe like five kids. Okay, maybe you'll see 40 kids. 40 kids. Wow, 40. So in that sense, you have to look at the numbers like a businessman and be like, okay, if this trend continues, you know, it doesn't, there's some, something's got to give here. Um, that means, you know, churches will have to be flexible on opening up their doors to different types of people groups. They will have to be flexible to these type of cultural differences and be like, you know, Maybe we do need translators. Maybe we do need to start reaching out to these communities since they are going to be the future. It's I'm not saying disregard the white people. I'm not saying don't reach white people anymore. I'm saying go ahead and reach everybody. The gospel is for everybody, right? But at the same time, if the people group is mostly this group, you do want to start paying attention to that group. That's all I'm trying to say. Pay attention to the demographic that is changing. So if you're struggling, if you're a church that's struggling um, to reach your community, first of all, let me ask you a couple of questions. Do you, know, do you know your community? Do you know the people groups in your community? Okay. Second of all, have you tried to reach the community that you're in, in terms of the church? So if you're a church plant and you went to India and planted the church. That's because God called you to plant a church in India. That doesn't mean you plant the church in India and you start reaching San Diego. San Diego, that's fine, I guess, in, a, in a, an eventual ministry from India. But if you're a church in India, you're concerned about the issues, the sins, the congregate members in India, not in San Diego. You do have brothers and sisters in San Diego, but you're not paying attention to them. You're not focused on them. You're you're not prior. They're, they're not your priority, dear pastor. Your past. Your calling is the membership in that area. You're reaching that neighborhood. So if you have a church in a neighborhood, which I suggest every neighborhood should have a church, right, a building or something. So your neighborhood is the mission field. Everybody in the neighborhood has now become your mission field, has now become the area of opportunity. Because guess what? A bunch of those homeowners are going to be Indians, Mexicans, stuff like that, unless and less white people. And you're, if your church is only white and everybody else around you is brown, black, different color, it, you know what I mean? It, it, it looks weird. It, it, it looks weird. So let me end it here because there's many, there's much things to be said. There's much things to consider, much things to pray, and I, things I haven't even touched on. But let me end it here. Hopefully you're listening. Hopefully you understand what I'm trying to say. Um, and there's much things to be said. And, man, I wish I had, like, three hours to go over this in thorough, but I don't. This is just off the top of my head. Um, you know, some of the stuff that's out there, I hope you understand. Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love for you to share this with somebody who have who has um, similar concerns um, similar ideas. Maybe they have better ideas of how to reach, you know, people from a different color group who um who are feeling left out because they are the future 
if the numbers are correct, right? Going on the numbers, the math. So if that's true, so let's go ahead and create ideas to start reaching them, start reaching out to them because they are our neighbors. We, we are called to them to preach the gospel to everybody, including the white people. Okay, let's not leave white people out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying is, hey, if the white people are not having enough babies and the Mexicans are, I'm just letting you know, you know, there's going to be more Mexicans in the future one day, more tacos, you know what I mean? So I'm just letting you know. Anyways, this is the Chicano Knox. Thank you for listening. Go ahead and share and subscribe. And don't be afraid to come back to the next episode. Once again, peace and love. Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. All right, I got to go. I got to bounce like a pat check, yo. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Bible Theory. Don't forget to share this with your homies and subscribe to Bible Theory on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and follow on Twitter at The Chicano Knox.